Welcome to Where It's At with me, Alicia Dixon, a podcast all about midi life milestones brought to you by online styling service Stitch Fix. Today we're discussing bossing it and burning out in our season finale, Like a Boss, where we'll be sharing our views on pay gaps, imposter syndrome, and the career tips you'd pass along to your younger self. Now, this week I'm joined by three amazing ladies. First up, she's been named on Fortune's 40 Under 40 list a massive three times, and she's the founder and CEO of Stitch Fix. She is the youngest woman ever to take a company public and is delighted to have brought the styling service to the UK. Welcome to the show, Katrina Lake. Thank you for having me. It's an honour to meet you and congratulations on everything. Oh, thank you very much. My second guest, Catherine Ormerod, began her career at the Sunday Times, then went on to work at Glamour and Grazia. She's also started her own consultancy business, the Fashion Content Agency, and founded the Anti-Perfectionism Project, Work, 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 a bit like Rihanna. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly like Rihanna. (laughs) Last year, she published her debut book, Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life. I need to read that. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And finally, I'm joined by best-selling author, cook and TV presenter, Jasmine Hemsley. Jasmine made waves in the well-being world as a founder of Hemsley and Hemsley. Well known for her love and passion for sustainable fashion, Jasmine's third and solo cookbook, based on the ancient philosophy of Ayurveda, won Wellbeing Book of the Year. Hi! Hello, hi Alicia. Lovely to have you on the show. Right ladies, let's get started with the season finale of Where It's At. My first question for you in today's episode is, and we'll start with you Katrina, how do you find juggling your personal life and career? Big question to start with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't even know that I have the answer honestly. I think I'm really just still figuring it out. So I have a two and a half year old and a six month old at home. And it's, um, and it's just been a real challenge, honestly. And I think some parts I figured out when I'm at home, my work is my work and my home is my home has been, that's been helpful boundary setting for me. Mm. But lately it's been really hard. And so what we've, the hardest part for me is travel. Um, And so I travel a lot for my job. So I travel, I think about twice a month, if not more. And so my baby has been on six trips with me. Wow. Um, but if I'm honest, I, I think it's really hard. And I don't know if I can keep doing this. But I think, you know, for me, it's just been helpful to know that there's so many other women out there that are trying to figure it out. And Yeah. Um, and I feel like everybody's kind of in the same boat in that exactly, respect, aren't they? Exactly. And I think, you know, I try some things and some parts of it work and some parts don't. Mm. And so I just kind of learn and move on. And, As you're going along. But I don't know, trying, still figuring it out, really. If anybody else has the answers, I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's all a compromise, and we all have our own tailored version of something which isn't ideal, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, mm. I think you can't judge what anyone else decides to do. And, you know, you just, as you say, it's like it's so fluid, isn't it? Like sometimes you're like, this is the rhythm, it's working, it's working. And then suddenly something falls out of that rhythm, and you have to switch it up again. Yeah, I mean, I just think we're born survivors. Yeah. So it's like we get the job done, whatever that means, you know. And I think the key is balance, isn't it? I think if one is um, overpowering the other, I think that's when you know for yourself when you, when you need to pull back. I think that's the blessing of being your own boss as well. You can kind of dictate those hours that you do and hopefully tailor your schedule to make it work for your personal life and your career. Would you? How would you feel about that? Justin? I mean, I'd, I think there is no formula. So I think we all have to have our own experience and that experience is never going to be smooth and it's never going to be right all the time. 
because that would be really boring. And, that, and that's part <laughs> of the ride. Yeah. That's what makes it so interesting. Absolutely. I mean, have you ever had to make a personal sacrifice for your career? Um, yeah, I think probably the biggest one is always health. I think, there's, right. I think there's no way of saying that a career doesn't come at compromise to your health. One of the most um, um, incredible quotes I ever came across was from the Dalai Lama when he was asked what um, struck him most about mankind. And he said, man, because he spends all of his health to become wealthy and then all wow. of his wealth to become healthy. I do think as well there is something to be said of having a period in your time where you do put the groundwork in. You have to graft and in your 20s you have to say yes to things. Mm -hmm. That's, it is the reality. If you're going to build a career and you're going to be successful and be able to have opportunities to follow mm -hmm. things, we can't just say, oh, you're going to be in balance the whole time. And I think, you know, very much there's this conversation about millennials who will say, oh, I'm sorry, I have to leave at five o'clock and I'm not going to stay late for this because, you know, I've really got to balance my lifestyle. Right. And you're like, you're 22, <laughs> you've got to pay your dues. You've got to go the extra you know? mile. And I, I do really like when I look back at my 20s I think the the amount that I worked and the hours that I worked were really insane but I could have not achieved what I achieved without that mm. yeah really good point I mean what what did some of you actually want to do when you were a child what were your big kind of career ambitions whatever they were I think I probably went through different ones that became fashionable during nursery you know <laughs> um I used to like for some reason playing with the the bubbles in the bubble bath and putting them into like yogurt pots and things. And I also did it with uh, Christmas tree needles. Right. And so my parents, you know, when they asked me what I wanted to be, I used to say a cooker. And they used to say <laughs> gas or electric. <laughs> and I obviously didn't get it for years and years. And it was, um, it was only until I was kind of interviewed, um, having then started a career as, as, as a, a chef cook about 10 years ago, that that memory came back oh. because it wasn't really something else I aspired to. I did, you know, being a chef is really, really hard work. And as a restaurant, you're only as good as your last meal. And somehow I kind of fell into that world just because I kind of had a belief around, you know, the, the healing power of, of home-cooked food and, and that's how that happened. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kathy? So I was a stage kid growing up. My right. West End career peaked age nine. Um, <laughs> But it was like I was full on into it. And then school like got in, way, in the way, I guess, and education became everything. And I think probably until I finished my master's or maybe the end of university, I forgot about anything else except for academic achievement. Um, and I think it got really enmeshed with the idea of making money. Um, so I thought when I left university, I was going to become a barrister. But I took a side job on working at Harvey Nichols and it was in the same year that um, Phoebe Philo was designing at Chloe and I was on the contemporary floor and I just fell for fashion. And my whole family were like, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> they, were like, they thought yeah. that I was going to be paying their mortgage. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> you were going to be a child actress, child actress movie yeah. star, oh, then a barrister. Like, you know, I was going to, you know, and uh, I think like, and when I told them that I was going to work for free when I left my master's degree, they were like, they had all their horse hopes riding on me. You know, I was their horse that they'd backed. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. That's so cool. That's I love weird. that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Katrina? I mean, what did you think about when you were a young child? Um, so my mother was a teacher at, in public school and my dad was a doctor. And um, and so, I mean, that was uh, that's what I saw as kind of like the great professions out there. So I wanted to be a doctor for a long time. And then it was volunteering in a hospital that did it for me where I was in a hospital. And um, and I mean, it's 
you know, it's amazing. There's like sick people and doctors and you're doing all these amazing things. But just like there's something about the work environment that I was like this it doesn't feel right. And so I was lucky that in college, I majored in economics. And so I, I knew I liked business. And so then I kind of took a path where I um, was at a consulting firm and, you know, doing and learning business that way, and then kind of wandered my way into into starting a company. But it's crazy to think back, because I, I'm sure it would have been cool to be a doctor, but I, I think it was probably the right thing that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever suffered from FOMOG? I've never heard of this before, but it's fear of missing out on goals. Yeah, I think that's I I got divorced just before I turned 30 and I think that I was absolutely plagued by this idea that my life had gone off track. I got divorced. I met a much younger guy. We got pregnant. Then we you know, that, that it's just, we're not married. We've got a baby. <laughs> you know, we live in a really small flat. Life has a plan for you while you're making plans. Exactly. Exactly. You can't always fight it. But I think again like social media really brings that to a head because you know, you see everyone's ex- experiences and like, you know, yes. the engagement picture, the ring on the finger and like the wedding shots and the newborn baby picture and the keys outside the house, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like finally got in, bottle of champagne. It's just like, you know, they've become really almost cliched milestones. That, yes. And if you don't hit those, as people increasingly aren't, it, it can be really, really demoralizing, I think. And then going going back to work-life balance, do you think it's important to take maternity leave? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just such an important time to be able to take the space and to focus on your child and then to be able to come back to work refreshed and excited and and to be able to have the space even at work to figure it out. And I think people talk about maternity leave and how much time you get. I think actually some of the more important things are what is the support like when you get back to work? I th- I think another thing to mention here is so many of us now are freelance and it's a, it's a different world. Like the idea of maternity leave is it, it in some ways it's quite old fashioned, old fashioned. because it's mm. relevant to an office environment. And there's also not maternity pay when you're a exactly. freelancer. That's right. Exactly. So it, it's you know there are all pros and cons. I think I've I definitely struggled with having to be photographed after um, you know two or three months for things especially we were chatting about this before when you're breastfeeding your boobs are so big you know that they'll send these clothes for like a shoot and you're like yeah right <laughs> you know, you're like stretching them you're like maybe yeah. one of these would fit in there you know and it's just it's so overwhelming and I think this kind of idea that you're gonna, going to look like a certain way after three to six months it's It's just not it's not the case you know it takes like a year that's a very dangerous game it's one thing I've always been quite proud of myself for I've never cared what anyone thinks I just do me Mm. and I'm very accepting of what is yeah so if I have a baby body great that's life yeah, I mean, I think we spend a lot of our times comparing, you know, a lot of our comparing. time comparing ourselves. But yeah. it's just a, it's just a natural thing. That's how you learn. It's how you evolve. It's how you grow. And yeah. social media is good in that a lot of people have become very much sharing, maybe oversharing. Oversharing. So, so you can see people saying, yeah, very <laughs> much oversharing. You know, so people are saying, this is what I look like. This is yeah. post-baby mm. body, you know, whereas we wouldn't have seen that when it was just magazines. True. And when no it was just true. So there is, there is that, you know, there's a lot of, obviously a lot more people to follow now, but there that there are elements of reality. I'm getting to the point now. It's like I've seen too much. Yeah. Don't need to away. Literally, that's me all the time. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. How do you guys measure your own success or lack of? I 
for me personally, it's based on my current situation with self-esteem. It's much more holistically where I am in how I feel as a person, whether something is a success or a failure. Yeah, you say success is not what you do, but it's who you are. Mm. I always think if I can look in the mirror and like myself, Mm -hmm. then I'm winning, Mm. you know. And I think you're right, when you're younger... We'd, we're told that success is, like you say, how much it money. Looks a certain way. Looks yeah. a certain way. Mm. And the older you get, you realise, no, it's not. It's mm. actually self. It's contentment within mm. yourself. Mm. I love the way you put that, Catherine. I could. I completely mm. agree. Of just, I think what I thought was success when I was in college or starting Stitch Fix, even was it. It isn't what I think about now, and it's it's so fascinating because it's not that I feel like it's successful or not successful, but. You know, I do like like that Forbes 40 under 40 thing. Like I when I was young, I thought that was like of an course. awesome thing. And then when that happens, it was like, yes, I'm grateful and I'm proud. But I it wasn't like it that wasn't I would say in that whole year, that wasn't even one of the top 10, 10 things that I was mm. most proud of, you know. And it is interesting how that definition just changes over the course of your life. I think it's definitely about how you feel in and of yourself. I remember when I first learned to meditate 10 years ago and it was it really struck me when my meditation teacher said, He gave an example of um, an actor friend of his who his day was literally governed by what other people thought about him. And so his entire internal workings are literally being played by 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 other people. Mm. So I think it's it's that really made me realize how much I am looking for approval. There's a phrase that we hear a lot these days, which is fake it till you make it. Have any of you ever applied for or found yourself in a role that you felt unqualified for? Every single one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Literally every single one. <laughs> you know, being true to yourself is obviously always a good thing. But sometimes you have to like Step fool people. Your box. You do. And you have to fool people a little bit because they're not going to believe Black in you. Blackie, I like to say. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but they don't believe in you unless you believe in that's you. that's right and sometimes you know what you don't believe in you so you have to pretend <laughs> i mean impost- imposter syndrome is something that oh, a yeah. lot of women are experiencing i mean katrina is this something that you've ever suffered with well i mean even just and uh, the word fake it too as you're talking about authenticity and like all those things i just think it, i hate that word fake it till you make it even because it's like you know i'm the ceo of a company and every day i'm doing things i've never done before and i can tell you like all of us don't know what we're doing all of us are figuring yeah. it out as we go and yeah. so learning on i the think job. any of these like imposter syndrome and fake it till you make it has like this underlying assumption that like oh there's this group of people here that have figured it out but i think that the being able to be on the other side and now being able to see and know these people and know they also are figuring it out as they go exactly. has helped me to not feel like an imposter in those situations because now i'm like you know, I may look different, but we're all in this together. We're all figuring this out. And um, and I think that, you know, a lot of, I hope that one of the things that social media can help with, I think, is that I like before there was social media and before you could see people authentically, I think it was really easy to assume that people that you saw in newsstands and, and articles were, um, were people who were in this box of people who had figured it out and done it all already. And the reality is like, that's just not true. You know, I think you're so right. And it's really interesting to hear it from the side of someone like you who is at the top. You know, I reckon that feels like a good point for us to take a short break while I give a quick message to the listeners, but we'll be back in just a moment. Got an interview coming up, but have no idea what to wear? Got a review with your boss and want to bag that promotion? Well, Stitch Fix can help you find the perfect outfit, the PA you'll wish you'd always had. Head to stitchfix.co.uk, fill in your style profile, and before you know it, you'll have five items hand-picked for you and your unique style delivered to your door. 
Let Stitch Fix worry about perfecting your wardrobe so you can focus your time on nailing it in the room. Welcome back to Where It's At with me, Alicia Dixon. I'm here with Katrina Lake, Catherine Ormerod and Jasmine Hemsley. Let's get straight back to it. I wanted to also talk a bit about discrimination in the workplace. Katrina, is this something you've encountered? Indirectly, I think all the time. And um, as I look back, when I was raising money for Stitch Fix and um, I, I didn't have the money to fund it myself and we needed money to grow in the early years, and we had a real business where we had real customers who were paying to be styled and um, we had vendors who were excited to work with us and tons of clients who were t- willing to work with us or who were excited to work with us. And venture investors really had a hard time kind of understanding and seeing the business and, and giving us money. And I think a lot of that had to do with the bias, biases of who venture investors tend to be. And so most of the venture investors are, um, are men, most are white. Most are, you know, rich. And so I think that help that prevents people from being able to see opportunity outside of their world. And so with Stitch Fix, this is about taking personal styling and making it mass market. And, you know, this is something that you don't have to have a lot of money to be able to do. And so it was a much broader audience than kind of who venture investors tended to be. Um, and I think venture investors were just a lot more comfortable giving money to people who look like them. And so um, you know, to me, it's, it reinforces the importance of diversity in places of power. I mean, do you think women are still at a disadvantage in the workplace? I mean, we hear a lot about the gender pay gap. Is this something you've experienced? Um, it's, you know, it's hard to say on the gender pay gap specifically. At Stitch Fix, we use like a market-based approach because of this exactly. Because if we are using a market-based approach and people in the same job of the, doing the same thing are getting paid the same, um, the downside is that the squeakiest wheel does not get the grease. So if you are coming to me and saying, I need to get paid more, I need to get paid more, like that's not going to be an effective way to get paid more. Um, and so the downside is that, you know, people don't feel like they ha- are empowered over what they make. But the flip side is that it reduces a lot of bias um, that comes into the system. And so um, even for executive pay, like my pay, we actually use a market-based approach so that we can feel really good that um, we're kind of paying people for what what they're worth in the open market. Um, but, you know, many, many companies don't do that. And, um, and I think it's a real challenge where, um, where, you know, not only can there potentially be a pay gap, Mm. you know, it's also in negotiating if, you know, if men are characteristically going to be negotiating more, if people are going to be promoting people who look like them more, um, you know, there's so many companies in the U S and in the UK, frankly, that are beauty companies or apparel retail companies that are run by men. And, you know, it makes no sense. It's like, there are tons of women who work at those companies and your end consumer is by and large a woman. And still at the same time, the company is run by a man. And then when they choose a new CEO, they bring in another man. Mm. And I mean, we just see that happening over and over again. And I, and I, you know, I think it just has to do with people who are making decisions, feeling more comfortable with people who look like them. It's crazy. I mean, Jasmine and Catherine, have you guys experienced the gender pay gap? Um, yeah, but in a positive way. In a positive way. (laughs) The other way around. I think I'm the only one that could... Oh, sorry, this sounds really, well, I think the modeling industry was probably the one industry where women were paid more than the guys. I mean, the the man was the accessory or the prop. I think it's like the one, one of the one industries where that happens. We've talked about balancing work and life. I mean, it seems crazy to me, but you do hear about some people who don't take all their holiday. I mean, do you think this is important? And has it happened to you, Catherine? One year I had 20 holiday days left at the end of the holiday. <gasps> and it doesn't roll over? doesn't roll over. <laughs> wow. You don't get paid for it. So what, and what was oh, your reason for not? 
Um, so <laughs> you could have just stayed at home. No, I work for a really demanding person. Yeah. Okay. Who, so was it fear? It was fear. Mm. It was also fear that I would step away from my desk and would something s- would go wrong. Mm. I would be something would be found out. Someone mm. behind my back might machinate something. It was a very like presentee <sighs> scenario gotcha. that if I wasn't there to manage the way things went down, then maybe there wouldn't be a, be a job for me when I came back. Wow. Yeah, it was hardcore. Like I, I you know, I had a proper Devil Wears Prada type experience mm. in my early career. Truly, um, and you know, I would have if I took a holiday there'd be screaming voicemails on my phone and if you do take a holiday and give yourself that time do you ban all your work related emails or do you stay online (laughs) I mean I think you know if you run your own business let's be realistic you're not going to go away from two weeks and not answer something because there could be an amazing opportunity exactly you don't want to miss it you know however fear of missing out on girls yeah Yeah. even as a you know freelancer you cannot afford to really take a holiday because um we had a you know we always have a saying that if you if the work's not coming in book a holiday yeah, it's true. And then usually the the, the work will <laughs> yeah. be just a bit more than the holiday that you've already paid for. <laughs> and you're just left having a really crap holiday oh, no. or you're left behind. You know, I was I was always the friend that couldn't make the plans in advance or was the one that kind of let people down. Because when you're freelance, you take it when well, it's there. OK, right. Do you guys have career tips that you've never forgotten? It's like, who's your who's your career idol? Like, mine is Oprah Winfrey. I talk oh, about her yeah. too much. Oh, can mine be Oprah too? <laughs> yeah, oh, let's share I her. I love her. <laughs> I constantly quote <laughs> Oprah. She's just like my beacon of light. I'm like, what would Oprah do? What would Oprah say? Yeah. Oprah's done it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. You know, she is just... She's amazing. Incredible. I couldn't come up with anybody who's more epic than her. I know, I've put and I think she wears her heart on her sleeve, you know. So She's she was so f- human. Yeah, so human. Yeah, so exactly. relatable. So um, you know, we we know her story, mm. don't we? It's yeah. it's not like there was this perfect image put forward and um I can I have her? And she too? brings us along <laughs> authentically on kind of yeah. everything. Yeah. I loved She's the way she used to you know, the way she speaks to her team and she says to them, If you bring me an idea, I want to know what your intention is. Like what are you trying to achieve? What is the purpose of this? How is this gonna help people? Let's be clear on those intentions mm-hmm. before we move forward and I think that that helps me with decision making in my own life I think what is the intent here you know and it it can't feel soulless Mm. and it's knowing that you're doing something for the right reason oh intent I think intention is everything if you want something to succeed um or if you want something to have an impact but your sole intention is to just make money or to Mm. uh, just beat someone else to it or to I don't know it won't sit right with your spirit it won't sit right and you'll never feel fulfilled yeah, is there any, I mean, you said you love Oprah. Is there somebody that you've kind of looked at and admired and thought, wow, they've they've done it well, I'd love to be able to do that? Recently, actually, Beyonce, I watched the documentary and I just was bowled over by the way that she'd used, obviously, her epic talents, but, you know, the, the, the businesses around it, which she created and the platform that she had created to make a massive difference to a lot of people's and lives. And the message as well. The message, exactly. And yeah. I really, really rate that. And I really, I feel really motivated by that as well. I love that. I love that and I love her. Do you know where you want to be in five years' time? What about you, Jasmine? I get the feeling you're a in-the-present-moment type person. I try, I try <laughs> to be, mainly because I'm terrible at writing any kind of five-year plan or three-year right. plan. I'm really just awful at that kind of stuff. Um, but when I look back, you know, there are times when I have the things I have now or the things I've achieved now, the things that 
um, have shaped me now are things that when I did give myself time, even not knowing that I was giving myself time to really kind of feel the kind of things that I wanted to be doing with my time, they've kind of materialized. Right. And I just want to be a free flowing spirit um, and design my life from a centered space because I can easily suddenly feel like I am beholden to do this and to do that and to do that. And then I don't feel very happy about mm. what I'm doing. The only thing that exists yeah. is the now. Is the now. How about you, Katrina? Is there a plan? I mean, obviously you've just launched in the UK. Do you plan on taking over the world? <laughs> um, I think, I mean, for now, we're just super excited to launch in the UK. And this is our first international market. And so, you know, we're kind of just becoming accustomed to being a global company. Um, and with Stitch Fix, you know, there's so many more ways that we can take the business and so much um, just more clients we can reach. And so, you know, it feels like there's there's a lot of possibility. And mm. five years from now, I don't know that I I don't know that it's like a revenue goal or a client goal or anything. But I think I would just I would love to be able to look back five years from now and say we did like we had this amazing thing and we were able to do so much more with it. And um and I think you know like Catherine, I feel like I've figured out a little bit of like what I like and what I don't like in my life. And so for me, it's like as long as I'm in an environment where I'm learning and I'm being challenged and I'm working with people that I love working with, like. That, I think, to me, is what keeps me excited and motivated every day. Um, and so, you know, I think I've, as I've gotten more and more experience, I think I've been able to get more and more of those, like, glimmers of, you know, what, what's important to me in my working day that have helped me to be able to think about what, what five years from now might look like, even if the business is very different, or even if sure. we're in different countries, or who knows. That's exciting as well. Very quickly, a little quick fire. Uh, what's your go-to interview big meeting outfit? trousers yeah because i'm not an elegant sitter <laughs> <laughs> right? some kind of like i like clothes that um i feel very comfortable in so probably wouldn't be heels because mm -hmm. i'd be very self-conscious about them yeah something flowy um but that looks smart so probably like a loose cool suit that's a bit undone with a t-shirt Sounds good. I can visualise it. Very nice. What about you? I'd be completely the opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would definitely be in a dress. Yeah. Yes, for sure. There Long, would definitely short, be heels. Something midi. very structured around the waist. I like like the idea of cinching. Oh, I can't like, breathe then. Like <laughs> but it makes you hold yourself. I find it makes me hold myself like my strong posture. Yeah. Um, something that's got some kind of like fashion new to it. So it's got a design detail either at the neckline or an interesting print. Um and a really great handbag that's expensive and invested in, and it makes me feel that I'm expensive and worth investing in. Yes, that's, I love that. That's brilliant. That's really good. Amazing visuals. Katrina. <laughs> um, I also gravitate more towards a dress, and I think for me, I like I love wearing something that has a pop or a print or something that's just going to be a little exciting. But I think at the flip side of like not. You know, sometimes you put on a dress and you're like, this thing is wearing me. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. too cool. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to go someplace, you know, kind of in between mom and really cool of like something that makes me feel a little bit cool, but not, you know, trying too hard. Yeah. Um, effortless. Yeah. More yeah. effortless. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So now if you could work with one person, okay. who would it be and why? So I would like to work at Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg. Because I think in this day and age, um, obviously, it's one of the most 
inscrutable places to ever find anything out about full stop. Um, obviously, I've built a lot of my career off new media. I've written a book about it. So I would really want to be in the lion's den and be mm. able to peel back the layers That's and cool. find out the real machinations and working. I like that. That would be a hard job. It would be. <laughs> yes. She's got her handbag ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm not doing these American holidays, right? <laughs> what about you, ladies? Um, if I could work with anyone. That's yeah. Cool. I'm such a kind of structured, organized spreadsheet. You know, I would love to work with like an amazing creative of like, I mean, the first person that popped in my head was like Alexander McQueen, but like so many people in the fashion world do have this like ability to create like a whole world in their minds and just live it, you know? Mm. And I think there's something that would be really fun to me to work with somebody who is super different from me and um, that you could maybe combine what we're both good at and make something crazy. I love that too. That's cool. Jasmine? Um, She's like, I don't want to work with anyone. <laughs> Actually, I, I've a guy called Paul Hawken, who I've met a couple of times, um, he gave an incredible speech about climate change a couple of years ago at a festival called Revitalize in, in Arizona. And he and his friends basically were so frustrated about these kind of tips for for limiting, you know, the the acceleration of our of our planet kind of self-destructing. And he basically just collected data with his friends. They got incredible people on board and they just kind of went for it. And then they they actually took the information to the experts in every different country and said, here it is. This is non-biased. We have collected it from all sources. He's somebody that I would follow into a peaceful battle, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, think, I think he's going to make – that kind of person is what we need because as soon as I heard him speak, I was like, oh, if I wasn't doing this, I would do that. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I think that's a nice place to end. So as I say, thank you to all three of you for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned from you and hopefully lots of people will be inspired by what you've had to say. So thank you very much. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, ladies. Okay, lovely listeners, we want to hear the best advice you've ever received when it comes to the world of work. Tell us on Instagram by tagging at stitchfixuk and hashtag where it's at. And if you haven't already, don't forget to register at stitchfix.co.uk so you're ready with that killer outfit when you need it most. Stitch Fix and I also want to say a huge, huge thank you to you for turning up, tuning in and supporting season one of Where It's At. We've had an absolute blast. Stay tuned and we'll be back soon.